0: With y'all, I'm going to share with y'all something that a preacher uh, called me this last week and invited me to speak at a conference with him. And uh, after the first of the year, and he asked me a question. I've spoken in his church before, and we spoke in a couple of churches that he were he was in. And this has been several months ago. And he said, uh, I thought it would be interesting to find out what your schedule, your speaking schedule, was like last year versus this year. He said, "Did you have less speaking engagement this year than you did last year? I said, I did. I did. I said, what makes you think that? He said, that was real simple. He said, the gospel you preach, the church don't want to hear it. He said, the gospel you preach requires holiness. And he said, people are intimidated by what you preach. And he said, I just knew that you didn't have as many speaking engagements this year as you did last year. All those signs and miracles and wonders are following you. I thought, isn't that amazing? He said, I've gone back and checked the records of every holiness priester that's been on this earth in the last hundred years. He said, every one of them started out with mighty signs and miracles and wonders. And the further they got into ministry, the less people came to their ministry. And he said, every one of them that preached a holiness gospel. Now, said, if they don't preach a holiness gospel, they continue to grow. But he said, God don't show up for them like he does. But he said, if you preach what that word says... He said, what you say will offend the church, and they will stop coming to your ministry. I said, well, it sure has happened.
1: <laughs>
0: it sure has happened. But what I teach is in the Word, and I'm doing my best to walk in it. Now then, uh, for those of you that are here today, I am going uh, to start off with this today before we go into the teaching of, of what I have to say today. I want to teach on something that happened last Sunday. Now, before I teach on this, I want to ask you a question. I don't want to know how many of you that are here today was here last Sunday, but my question is how many of you are here today that was here when the demon manifests last Sunday? Wow. Okay, hands are up all over the place. Okay. Well, something I want you to know about, we haven't had a demon manifest in church in a long time. And by the way, I just got a message from Cliff back there. He goes to the first Baptist church in the morning. And he just come and told me, he said, I have a message I heard a message preached this morning and said, Thurman, you're so wrong. I just heard a preacher preach in the first baptist church morning. We as Christians cannot have demons. So he said, You're wrong in what you teach. (laughs) I thought, Well that Baptist preacher where he preached he should have been here last Sunday. (laughs) He would have found out that Christians can't have demons. Of course those of us that have you know, been there, and I was in a Baptist church for many, many years of my life, and it was rare that you ever even heard a Baptist preacher talk about a demon, much less say you could or couldn't have one, or at least in all the Baptist churches I've been involved with. But I asked that question myself years ago. I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, is it possible for me as a Christian to have a demon? And, of course, I went to my pastor that was my pastor at the time, I was a deacon serving in a Baptist church, and his immediate response was exactly what Cliff said. No, you're a Christian. It's impossible for you to have a demon. So I felt a little more comfortable. You know, I thought, well, that would be great, you know, because after I read what these fellows do in the Bible, you know, I really wouldn't want to have one of these. And so, but I wasn't sure, you know, I wasn't satisfied with that 100%. And so, one time we had a doctor of theology from the seminary over, you know, speaking, and I asked him, you know, after church was over, I said, Sir, I have a question I've been reading about uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I'm reading about these demons in the book of Acts where the demons were in people and how they cast them out and all this stuff. And said, Do you think it's possible for me as a Christian to have a demon? He said, Absolutely not. You know, said, Christians, there's no way the Holy Ghost and a demon can live in the same body. Well, again, that's comforting. That sounds good. You know, but it's just not the truth, you know. so But I thought it was. And so, you know, I asked the Lord one day, I said, Lord, if we, if, when I read the scripture, if the devil is what brings sickness and disease upon us, it says, Acts 10, 38, Jesus anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, went about doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil. I said, Lord, is it something else that makes us sick today, or is it still the devil? If it's the devil that makes us sick then how do we get sick if we can't have demons? I said, are they working on the outside through, or how are they working? Because, you know, I don't know. I'm seeking information. And so I'm, now I'm asking God, you know, and I can't think of a better source than the king. And so I'm asking the Lord, not asking men. And so I'm going along there reading, and one day as I'm studying about the spirits of, uh, I came upon uh, um, Luke uh, 13, 11, where the woman had the spirit of infirmity in her daughter, a daughter of Abraham that had the spirit of infirmity living in her flesh, and she was bowed over for 18 years, and she could in no wise straighten herself up. And when I read that scripture, the Lord spoke to me in a voice I could hear. He said, son, you have one of those spirits living in your flesh. Now wait a minute, Lord. I mean, I just come from the Baptist Church. The doctor of theology there said I can't have one of these things. My preacher said I can't have one of these things. But you say I got one. Now there's a conflict of interest here. You know, either God's right and these other guys are wrong, or these guys are wrong and or they're right and God's wrong. You know, so who are you going to believe? But that's not doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out who you're going to believe, right? So I asked the Lord. I said, Lord. If I have a spirit of infirmity living in my flesh, like that one, and that one has caused that woman to be bowed over and she can't straighten up, I said, infirmity to me means sickness or weakness. And, of course, I am not sick and I am not weak at this present time. So I said, what is the spirit? I mean, what is it manifesting as? And he said, it's your athlete's foot. And I said, Lord, athlete's foot's a demon? I mean, I thought it was a fungus. You know, I'd been to the doctor, and the doctor told me it was a fungus. He didn't tell me it was a demon. <clears throat> so the Lord said, yes, son, and said, in my name, you have power over it, and you can cast it out. So, as a Baptist deacon, Sunday school teacher, I looked down at my feet, and I spoke to that demon of infirmity and commanded that beast to leave, and it came out of me, and it has never manifested in me again. Now, all these years, I have never, ever, ever had the problem with athlete's foot again. And as far as I know, everybody that I've ever taught this to or I ever cast that spirit of infirmity out of athlete's foot, as far as I know, I've never had a failure as long as I could get their sins repented of. Now, if I couldn't find the sin and they wouldn't repent, or they find it and they wouldn't repent, then I couldn't get the devil out of them. So... As I learned these principles and these things about demons, I've definitely learned that Christians can have demons. And I'm learning how they work. In fact, only a few months ago, uh, I went down to a uh, pastor's conference here in Arlington. And a gentleman went with me that he's an assembly of God and he's a very good man of God. And he's not quiet. There yet, where he wants to be, but he's getting there. And at that time, he was a little farther away than he is today. But that day, he was pretty good, uh, had quite a bit of knowledge. And we walked up into this place, and there sits a man on a staircase, and he's sitting blocking the stairway where we had to go upstairs. And I walked up to him, and I looked at him, and he has these big things on his arms. And I said, Sir, is there something wrong with you? He said, Yeah, I have a carpal tunnel in both arms. I said, are you a Christian? He said, oh, yeah. I said, well, you don't know that's a demon? He said, a what? I said, that's a demon. I said, I can cast it out. Do you want to get healed, yes or no? He said, well, sure. And I said, how bad is it? He said, well, I can't even make a fist. My arms are have so much pain in them. I said, well, I'll just cast it out if you want me to. And he said, well, sure, I'd love it. So I reached over to lay my hands on him. And this man that was with me said, Thurman, can I lay hands on him with you? And I looked at him and I said, are you ready? And he hesitated a moment. And then he said, yes. I said, okay, if you know you're ready. So he put his hands on him and I commanded the demon to come out. And he left immediately. The man was instantly healed. I mean, his pain went away. He could make a tight fist. He said, wow, this is awesome. He took those leaves off. he, He said, man, this is great. So, I mean, you know, that's the power God's given us. As his children. I mean, see, the Lord told us, as the Father sent me Jesus to go cast out demons and heal the sick, save the lost and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead. So I send you to go do the same thing. Now that's written in the Scripture. You know, we, we don't do a very good job of that. But anyway, when you get to where you read the Word and believe it, you'll do it. Well, this day, this man that was with me did not realize... That because of his little bit of hesitation, that's doubt. And that doubt allowed that demon, to, and the demon didn't manifest. I normally pray everywhere I go, Lord, I want no manifestations of demons. Because it does strange things to a lot of people when they manifest. Because I've seen a lot of them manifest. So I usually pray, I take authority over them. Actually, I don't pray, I take authority and I command the demons that I kick out to not manifest. And so, that day, the demon didn't manifest. He just left. The man was instantly healed. But what I didn't know is where he went. Now, that night, we went to the pastor's conference. We had a teaching all day, and we worshiped and praised for four hours. And then we left, and everything seemed normal. But we go home, and that night, about one o'clock, the man that went with me, he was at home in his bed. And all of a sudden, he was awakened with excruciating pains in his wrist. And for about 30 minutes, he said, Lord, I don't understand what I've done. Have I done something wrong? Have I sinned? Well, had he sinned? Yes. What did he do? He doubted. He doubted. That's exactly right. And he only doubted for a second. But when he did, that demon knew there was doubt there in that man. And so when I cast him out, it went right into this man. And the demon would not manifest in the man until many hours later so that he probably would never think or put the two together. But he's asking the Lord, Lord, what did I do? Lord, did I sin? Did I do something? I've never had such excruciating pain in my wrist in my life. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he had got the demon of corporal tunnel that I cast out that morning. And so he repented. And then he took the word of God and quoted Luke ten nineteen and 20. He said, you devils of hell, you come out of me and go to the pit in the name of Jesus. And guess what happened? They left just like that. And the pain went away. Now, I told you all that to tell you, lead you up to what happened here last Sunday. For several weeks, I have not prayed or taken authority over demons because we've had no manifestations in a long time. You know, the demons just leave, people get healed, and everything else. But I didn't know, I didn't know that my buddy down here (laughs) and his wife, they love to see manifestations of demons every once in a while. So I didn't know that morning, they, or that day or the day before or whatever, they had prayed, Lord, we had not seen any manifestations of demons in church for a while. So Lord, let one of them manifest. We want to see some demon activity. I mean, you know, they wanted to see something. So see, you've got to know who you're dealing with in church, see. And he didn't tell me this, so I wasn't ready. But last Sunday afternoon, we were praying for the sick. And, you know, there was this, this precious little lady came up, and, and I said, how can I pray for you? And, of course, uh, one thing, the lady that came up, I think she was in front of her, the one that had had the carpal tunnel four years ago, that had been instantly healed at a healing school. She had been free of it for four years, and then just a couple of months ago, uh, the, the devil come upon her with some kind of a tumor or something, And she didn't know where to find me, and she didn't know anybody else that was in the healing ministry. So she went to a doctor and had surgery. Well, after she went to the doctor and had surgery, she said the carpal tunnel came back. Now, why do you think the demon couldn't come back until she had surgery? Because of unbelief. When she stepped into the world of unbelief or the promises of God, it opened a door, and the demon of carpal tunnel had been cast out of her four years before, came right back in her. Now, she had the surgery, and she got over the tumor and the surgery, but she couldn't get rid of this demon of carpal tunnel. And so she kept praying, asking the Lord, Lord, where is that man? I can't even remember his name. Lord, but I need to find that man, Lord. And so somebody handed her a CD with my name on it the other day, and she said, that's him. That's the name. (laughs) And she called the ministry center and found out we was over here. And so she came in last Sunday. She said, I know that when you pray for me tonight, I'm going to get healed. Now, what kind of faith is God looking for? That's the kind He's looking for. When that woman came up the other evening, I, she walked up and I said, so you're ready to be healed, are you? She said, I'm ready. I just reached up and touched her. I never said a word. I just touched her. She said, that's it. The pain's gone. Praise God, I'm healed. <laughs> is Jesus awesome is the awesome. See, when you've got that kind of faith... I mean, Jesus is there, and that demon, he left. I mean, I can just see Jesus sitting there, my big brother, your big brother. I can just see him sitting here, standing here. When I reached her and put my hand on her, he said, get out of her right now in the name of Jesus, or my name. Get out. And that demon just left. In the spirit world, I can only imagine what was going on there. But he left. Well, then right behind her was this little lady, which she came up, and I said, ma'am, how can I pray for you? Oh, she was so weak and she oh the devil did everything to try to keep me from getting here today. She said, I totally got here by faith. And I said, What's wrong with you? Well she she started naming off this list of laundry lists of things wrong with her. And I had a hold of her hand, I was shaking her hand and found like it was like holding a limp dish rag. I mean she had no strength whatsoever. And so I put my hand up on her shoulder and I was shaking her hand and getting her information and then I says, You just have demons. She said, I know I must have. I said, you foul spirits of infirmity, come out of her in the name of Jesus. And when I said that, things got exciting. (laughs) For those of you that were here, you know that all of a sudden, this woman's head, which was hanging down like this, she turned and her eyes popped open, and when she turned and sharpened it, she crushed my hand. And jerked her hand, started to jerk it out of mine, and I thought, whoa. And so I crushed her hand back. And she jerked her hand up like this, trying to get loose. And I wasn't going to let her loose, because I didn't know what she was going to do. And when she turned to the right, she said, in a very bold, masculine voice, Was it not, Keith? We are not coming out. You heard her, didn't you, Shelley? In fact, it so affected Shelley she forgot her purse. <laughs> she left her purse there. We had to get it and take it over. <laughs> but it's after, uh, uh, not a normal afternoon in church, it was it's Shelly. Not a normal afternoon in church, I'll tell you for sure. But it's, it's really amazing that when this demon manifests, and of course, I knew what was going on. And as I began to take authority, these demons said, we're not coming out. A bold and violent. every time one of them say we're not coming out. What the one down below, when he had say it, he'd blow one of them right out. i just feel him come out of her mouth. And so she's violent and wild. Now then, Ty is standing somewhere back there, and all of a sudden he runs up and grabs her in the back. You know, because I need all the help I can get right now. And while he's standing over it, he grabs her on the other side. So now there's three men holding one little frail woman that a few minutes ago, her hands limp as a dishrag. And as we're commanding demons to come out, let me tell you something. As things begin to happen in this place that I want you to know. There are people begin to come up and lay their hands on that woman. Now, I want you to know, if you're not ready and you're not trained and you don't know what you're doing when this happens, you don't get close. You stay back unless you want to get that demon in you. The very minute that I saw people begin to walk up and put their hands on her back, I began to say, And you demons of hell that come out of her, you will not be allowed to go in nobody else in this congregation. You will go out of this place, because I know and understand demons, and I don't want them demons to come out of her and go into you. I've seen it happen before. Now then, if you are a trained deliverance minister or person that really knows who you are in Christ, and you really know you've got power and authority over the demons, then I don't have a problem with you coming up. But if there's any doubt in your mind, don't you walk up and lay hands on a woman we're casting demons out of until you know that we've got them all out. How many of you in this place would like to have one of those kind of demons living in your body? No, not none of us. Now then, it would have been a wonderful thing if Cliff's Baptist preacher could have been here last Sunday afternoon. It would have been wonderful. Wonderful. But that's where we are. I understand where that preacher's coming from because, you know, I, I didn't understand those things. I sought the Lord for years to explain to me the spirit world because I didn't understand it. I didn't have any idea what's going on in the spirit world around me every day. But let me give you a little bit of an example of these demons. I know of a man... That not too long ago, he was a real estate agent. And he was saved. He worked for a ministry. And God come got him one night and took him out of his body. And he took him out of his body and he made him think he was a lost man, so that he knew nothing about nothing about Christ. And he took him and dropped him into a bar, a chamber with bars in hell. And he said, I was laying there in this place, and at first I could see in this place. And I could see the bars. And he said, it was the hottest place I had ever been. I didn't know how I could be alive and this place be so hot. He said, all all of a sudden I looked over, and there was four beings that were anywhere from 12 to 13 feet tall. And so they were the most ghastly looking creatures I've ever seen in my life He said there was nothing uniform about them. One of them might have fingers different length, one arm real long and one real short. Or one leg real long and one real short. Eyes sunken in their heads, ghastly looking creatures. Some of them even had scales and wicked stuff. He said, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And he said, I thought, oh, God, where am I? What am I doing here? And he was in hell. This was the entrance to hell. And as he had been placed there in this room, the barred room in hell, one of these demons come over and said, He reached down and picked up my body and said, I'm screaming for mercy. He said, mercy. And this beast says, There is no such thing as mercy in hell. And he said he reaches down and picks me up by one arm and said he must be a thousand times stronger than me. said he pulls me back by an arm and slams me against the wall and breaks every bone in my body. This is just an entryway into hell. He said I fall down and he said I'm in excruciating pain. And he said, this beast walks over and he reaches up and he grabs my body, my flesh, and his paws, his hands. He tears flesh off me and rips it out and throws it on the ground and starts ripping flesh off of my body. And I'm screaming, how can I be alive? And then the flesh, as he tears it off, he said, "They it comes back on my body and they tear it off again. That's the entryway into hell. This is the beginning. A place of everlasting torment where the worm never dies. And these beasts are what you and me are fighting against right here on this earth today. And we as Christians, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Lord says, I deliver you out of the kingdom of darkness, and I translate you into the kingdom of light. Now you become my children instead of the devil's children. Then he tells us so clearly in his Word, and I don't know how in the world I've missed this for so many years. He says, don't sin. Not a little bit of sin. My children, all over the Word of God, all over the book of Romans, all over the book of John, all over the book. He says, now don't sin. My true children, do not sin. Because when you sin, you give place to the devil. If you thought for a minute that when you sin, you were going to give place to one of these ghastly beings that's walking beside you to reach out and enter you, to torment you. I'm going to tell you, you would take everything in your body, everything in your heart, everything in your mind to walk holy before God every day of your life. But now let me tell you, unfortunately the devil has deceived us, just like he did Cliff's pastor, just like he did me. I was deceived Because I would not believe what's written in the book. I went by what man told me. Man thinks like man. And when you think like man, there's not a human being alive that thinks like God or like the devil. We are human beings, and there's not any way that I could reach up and do harm to a precious lady like this lady sitting here on the front. There's no way. I don't care what she might have done in her life. I, as a man, could not, a man of God, could not do harm to this woman. But a demon, if she died without Christ when she went to hell, they wouldn't care how beautiful she was, what she looked like, or nothing. They got one goal, and that is to terrify her and torment her and steal, kill, and destroy from her forever. And it ain't never going to stop, but yet she can't die. She can't die. They're going to torment her and torment her forever because she didn't accept Jesus as Lord and Savior on this earth. Now, then, the other day when I was talking with some of these things, this last week with some men, one of them told me, Sir said, Thurman, I wish I'd understood these things when I was a police officer. He said, I've spent 29 years in the police force. He said, Now I understand. He said, We've been to homes of people that say they're Christians. Both man and woman. And he said, I have walked into a room where a man is beating his wife and I walk over to grab him and the guy turned and grabbed me by the arm and just flung me against the wall. And he said, I think, good grief! This guy's stronger than anybody I've ever seen. He said, I call. So usually we never go in there without at least two. But he said, when that happens, I call for backup. He said, I have been in homes of supposedly Christian men that were beating their wife, that it would take five or six big police officers to put them on the floor. He said, I didn't have any idea that it was a demon. He said, now then, that's the only explanation. He said, once the thing was subdued and we get the man back normal, he said, one man can easily walk up, grab him, turn his arm behind him, put cuffs on him. No problem. But he said, why is he so weak now? And a few minutes ago, he was so blatantly strong. Because a demon had manifested in that Christian man's body. How did that demon get in? Because of sin. Because of sin. When you sin, you get one. Let me tell you, let me explain to you how easy it is to get one of these beasts. A man that I know, that I've talked to, that's been to hell, and is alive today, told me this story himself. He was dead for nearly 24 hours, but today he's still alive. He's been to heaven, and he's seen the spirit world. And he said he saw this in a hospital where his body was laying dead. But he was alive in the spirit. He said the Lord showed him a man and a woman standing there talking. He said, I'm assuming this woman was a nurse. He said, The man was talking to her. He said, Evidently, one of them had just told some kind of a joke or something because they were both, when I stepped in, both of them were laughing hilariously about something. And he said, I noticed the man looking at the woman. He had roaming eyes. He was looking at her all over. And all of a sudden, he said, Out of the floor became a ghastly green fog looking thing. And he said, This thing began to grow. I thought, Lord, what is that? He said, That's a demon of lust. He said, Lord, the thing's growing. He said, I know. He said, the more he thinks about lusting over that woman, the greater power he gives that demon. And finally, the demon kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger until finally it got right up to his face, and then the demon just went and disappeared right into his face. He said, What happened? He said he just became demonized. So the demon entered him. It had no power over him until he gave it power. A Christian man. When he gave it power because of his thoughts, the demon was working on his mind. He was yielding to the thoughts. Just like when you think about sin, you wonder how many times the devil comes to you, even in a dream. You know, I had the most unique dream this morning that I've ever had. I don't know, have no idea what it means. but I walked into a house and a little bitty thing, and I didn't know what it was went running across the floor. and you run over to the corner of the wall and hit the wall and turn around and come running back and run in this room and run through there and hit the wall, and then sort of run right straight back at me. And I reached out and put my hand down, and what it did, it was a baby squirrel, and it was a cat right after that little squirrel. That cat was going to kill that little baby squirrel, naturally. And the little squirrel knew it. When I put my hand down, the little guy just ran right up in my hand. I held him up, and the cat was down there. And I thought, I'll open the door. And why? I couldn't open the door. The latch was closed on the screen door. I don't know where I was, but I reached up and flipped the door open, and opened just a little and threw the little squirrel out in the yard and slammed the door shut so the cat couldn't get out. The cat just (laughs) on, on, on on the screen. You know what I'm saying, right? He
1: wanted that little squirrel.
0: And I guess what the Lord's trying to show me, this is what a little bit about what it's like. That's what demons are trying to do to you and me. They're after us. When we sin, they're after you. When you sin, you open a door. And they're chasing you. And they want to get in you. Now, if you don't get to somebody that can stop them, like I see myself as that being that picked up that little tiny baby squirrel. He wasn't that long. Man, he jumped right up in my hand. And I remember sitting there, Oh, look at that little guy. And he's just shaking all over. You know. I mean, he wouldn't have been a good mouthful for that cat if that cat had caught him. And that cat's down there jumping up and down wanting to get him. And so that's when I want to get the door open. And, of course, the door was locked. And I reached up and had to flip the uh, lock on the screen door. And I pushed it open just a little. When they did, I threw him out, of course, that cat runs right out that door. I slammed it back. Just as soon as I threw him through, that cat just locked on that screen door. Now that I'm seeing that picture, I know that's what the Lord's trying to show me, that that's the way demons try to do each one of us. When we send these beasts, these ghastly looking creatures that you can't see, and none of them is... Nothing but wicked. They're awful. I mean, there's, just think, no compassion and no love in the devil. He's totally hate. And he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. If he gets legal right to you, guess what he's going to do to you? It's not going to be like this Baptist preacher down at South Texas. I went and preached at his church one time a couple of years ago. And I was talking about these things. And after church, he said, Thurman, my boy is sick. He's five years old. There ain't no way that boy can have a demon. Even a devil couldn't come to a five-year-old baby. I said, you have no idea who the devil is. I said, the devil don't care if you're five years old, five seconds old, whatever you are. He has one goal or three goals, really, and that's to steal, kill, and to destroy. If he gets legal right... He will steal, kill, and destroy. In fact, there's a little lady telling me the other day that a girl, she knows that they've had all kinds of problems in their life, and she didn't have driver's license, didn't have insurance, and, and her van was out inspection and everything. I can't imagine, number one, anybody getting in a vehicle that does not have a current inspection sticker on it, and the sticker, the license plate's out of date, knowing she don't have a driver's license, no insurance. I can't imagine anybody doing that. But she did. And she drove down the street, and a police officer saw it and stopped her. And when he saw the woman and the condition she was in with the two tiny babies that she had, he had compassion and mercy on her and told her, said, Ma'am, take this car back home, park it, and don't drive it anymore. If I see if I see you driving it again, I'll have to stop you and give you a ticket. But see, that man's a human being. He had mercy. Now, according to the rules of the state of Texas, he could have took her and locked her up. You know that? He didn't have to have no mercy on her. He had legal authority from the state of Texas to take that woman and lock her up and give them two kids to somebody else. But because of his compassion in his heart as a human being, he turned her loose. But the devils of hell don't have that compassion. They don't care if you're a woman with two tiny babies and you're having all the problem in the world, and you open the door to them devils, they'll come right in and kill you and leave you laying right there with them two babies. He don't care. That's what we're fighting against. So the reason I've told you all these things, I want you to know that when demons manifest and start to come out of somebody in this church, if you're not well trained and you don't know who you are, you better, if a demon manifests, you better get with somebody that's really strong and you start pleading the blood over yourself. If you're a woman and you're in here with your husband... You get as close to Him as quick as you can and say, Honey, plead the blood over us. Lord, plead the blood, the sheet of the blood of protection, so them demons of hell cannot come to us. Because you don't want them devils that was in that little girl here Sunday afternoon. Do they, Ty? They're powerful. They were wicked. You don't want them. But if you sin, you get them. And this is what the church has not understood. You can be the best Christian in the world, and you can get into the state of looking at pornography. And you get demons of lust. They come into you. And then you wonder why you can't control yourself. In fact, I'll tell this story because it's very well publicized. One of the best Baptist preachers that we used to have that spoke to tens of thousands of people. And a lot of times he speaks to four or 5,000 people in a different church. Every night, every week, he became one of the most powerful preachers as a young man. Fire preacher. But he had a demon of lust. And he couldn't understand when he looked out across a congregation. All these married and had a beautiful wife. He couldn't understand when he looked out across there at women. He'd lust for those women. He didn't understand why he couldn't control himself. He never fell, but he couldn't help the lust. And he was a Baptist preacher. And one day he went down to East Texas to preach. And there was a man down there that was a carpet cleaner that was a deacon or a preacher. Not a preacher, but a carpet cleaner. I don't even know if he was a deacon. I said he was a deacon, but all I do know is a member of the Baptist church. And the man had learned what I've learned. And when this man walked up to him, he told him, he said, I understand you have a deliverance ministry. He said, yes, sir, I do. He said, do you think a Christian can have a demon? He said, sure. He said, do you think I have a demon? And he looked over at him and told him, he said, I've cast demons out of murders, out of rapists. And he said, I ain't never seen a man had as many demons as you've got This didn't really set too good with this Baptist preacher. So he said, do you think you can get me set free? He said, no, I know I can. So he took him in a back room, and him and that carpet cleaner went through a deliverance. And all kinds of demons came out of that man, and it totally transformed that man's life as a Baptist preacher. Many of you know who this man was. James Robinson. How many of you know James Robertson? What is he doing today for the kingdom? Is he a great man of God? Absolutely doing wonderful things. Is he able to control his lust now? You don't have it no more. It's gone. When did he go away? When the carpet cleaner, Milton Green, cast the demons out of him in the back room of a Baptist church in East Texas. A man that was one of the most powerful preachers in the Baptist organization that didn't believe you could have a demon. And so then James gets a, comes back and he realizes all these people, especially Pentecostals, that he's run down from the pulpit. He said, I've got to repent and I've got to tell all these people how sorry I am. So he calls a special meeting over in a big hotel in Fort Worth. And he invites all these men. And another man I know personally, we've had on our television show a few times, he was the pastor of the biggest Pentecostal church in Fort Worth at the time. And he said, well, I'll go hear what James has got to say. So he goes over there and he said, I get in this this big room and James is telling us how sorry he's been. He is because of what he has done and what he's treated people. He said, I didn't know it was demons living in me that caused me to be like this. And so I want you all to know I've been delivered, I'm through these demons, and I want to apologize to all of you, every denomination that I've run down, I will never do this again. I didn't realize it was demons driving me. And so this man that I know, that was the, and if all you had to do is say, who do you think is the best preacher in Fort Worth? He said, I'm the best Pentecostal preacher, ain't nobody can come close to me. You see a little pride in that? Yeah, I've heard him he make this statement, I know so that he wouldn't mind if I said this, because he said it heard him say it many times myself. Even on our television show, he said it. So he's not ashamed of it. But he said, I was standing there in the back, listening to James talk, and I said, Lord, that's probably what's true. It probably is demons in our church. He said, I've probably got a few people in my church that's got demons. That's probably why they're doing what they're doing. And he said, I'm sitting there, and the Lord speaks to me, and he says, Jerry, the problem in your church is you. How would you like for the king to tell you that? Jerry said, I fell over the back of my chair and said, oh, God, God, what do I do? Well, let me tell you, if I walked up to you and told you your problem in the church is you, that'd be one thing. But if God tells you, and you know you just heard the voice, then you know you're in big trouble. (laughs) Right, brother? Well, Jerry knew he was in big trouble, so he repented, told God he wanted to go through deliverance and get set free, and he did. And he had all kinds of demons. Now, think of this. This is a Pentecostal preacher of the biggest church in Forth Fort a few years ago, and he was full of demons, just like James Robertson was. Now then, I don't know where we've been as preachers, but with all these stories that have been told, through all these men that are pastors and everything else, and all these things about how all all these men have been delivered and set free from demons, and how it's transformed their lives, how we can continue to believe that a Christian can't have a demon is beyond my understanding. Obviously, we sealed ourselves up in one little bitty tiny bubble somewhere, and we're only believing what certain seminaries are teaching us and not believing what the Word of God says. Well, let me tell you, I have learned from the Lord Himself, just like Jerry did and like James did, I have heard the audible voice of God tell me I have demons. Now, let me tell you, if God told you you have demons, guess what? you got demons. So now that when he told me I could cast them out, and I did, and I got healed, now then, I believe what the Word says, that if you're sick and afflicted, you got a demon. Now, if you got a demon, all you have to do is repent, and we can drive the devil out. And you can get healed. You can get set free. But you know, when we go through deliverance here in church, like we did Sunday, And, of course, we technically go through deliverance every Sunday, every healing school. I command demons to leave and people get healed all the time. It's just most of the time I think to pray or speak, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over these demons and I command no demons to manifest in this place today. Because when they manifest, in fact, Keith, do you mind me telling what you told me Sunday night about your children, how you wish they'd have been here? See, Keith, that's the first time he'd ever saw anything like this, too. I guess Shelly, too. You've never seen it either, right, Shelly? Well, they've been coming here a long time, and they hear me talk about these things, but they've never actually been in a service when a demon manifests. But Sunday night, they were here, and they heard this thing scream. They heard these demons talk, and they saw how violent that woman got. And after it was all over, and the little woman was normal and delivered and everything else, Keith told me, he said, Thurman, I so wish my children, which had been here... But they had left. I wish they had seen that. Why do we want them to see something like this, Keith? So they know not to sin, right? Because if you know, here's a little Christian woman, a frail little Christian woman, that became like a roaring lion, wasn't she, Ty? She's strong. Here's a a bull handler, see? He's out there handling big 1,400-pound bulls. But today you've got a bull in your hand, don't you? She's tough. I mean to tell you, that's what demons do to us. You know, you go back to the Scripture, and you think about in the Scripture where the, Paul used to go about casting out demons in the name of Jesus. Well, only a few actual recorded instances where he tells us exactly what he did, but there's many times about where they were saying that Paul did so. The seven sons of Sceva, they observed this. Hey, Paul's going out and there's somebody got a problem. He says, you devils of hell, come out of him in the name of Jesus. And the demons come out, Maybe throw him ground, flop, kick and all this stuff. And Paul says, that's okay, get up, you're okay. Mm-hmm. And so they said, if Paul can do it, we can do it. So they come up to a little guy, one little guy one day. Mm-hmm. And they said, you got a demon. And that seven sons of Scephus said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, we command you to come out of him. Mm-hmm. And that demon stands up looks at that guy and he said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? I don't see the Holy Ghost in there. You're preaching the Jesus that Paul preaches, but you guys don't know. Now see, this is what I'm telling you. You need to be careful. Because those seven sons is key. But one little guy, he says, you don't know the Holy Ghost. Yeah, Jesus, we know Jesus. And we know Paul. We know who they are. But who are you? And so that one little guy runs over and begins to grab them guys one by one. Rip their clothes off of them. Tear them up. Throw them on the ground. Kick them. Stomp them. And it says those seven sons of Sceva went away that day naked and bruised and cut and running and screaming seven men against one little man. The only difference is that one little man had a demon. Now, how many of you want to tackle one of them devils? See, I'm telling you, this is not a game we're playing in church. You don't want one of these devils. You don't want nothing to do with these beasts. But how are you going to keep them out? Walk holy before God. No sin. You know, you know. I'm going to make a statement here. I made a statement here a while back. And I mean, a lot of people hear just a piece of a statement I say, and they take it and it offends them. you saying I can have a demon? Yeah, I'm telling you, anybody can have a demon. But I'm telling you, you don't have to keep it. You can repent of your sins and cast it out. But this is something else I'm going to tell you. That if you are a Christian and call yourself a Christian... And you don't want to come to church and you don't want to read the Word of God, I'm going to tell you you've got a demon driving your life instead of the Spirit of God. Your flesh, if it's controlled by a demon, will lay in on Sunday and not come to church. Anytime you're, if, if, in other words, if you say, I'm not going down to that church, you know, I don't like what Thurman preaches. I'm going to tell you, if you say that, you got a demon. You know that? Because you know what I preach down here? What the Word says. What the Word says. Now, I went to a lot of churches in my life, and all of them are Baptists, and they teach Jesus. But they don't teach the power of the Word. And I never saw healing, I never saw deliverance, and I never saw any power in the church all of my life until God Himself started speaking to me and telling me what to do. And then when I started doing what He said, I began to see a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And from that time to this, I have seen thousands of healings. Hundreds of miracles. I mean, miracles. Things that are supernatural that only God could do. Well, let me tell you. God don't do those kind of things for you if you're not teaching His Word. He don't show up for you unless you're teaching His Word. If you're teaching His Word and you're teaching that I am a holy God and I told you to be holy because I am holy. Let me ask you a question. How many of you besides me have ever read that statement where God says, Be holy because I am holy? Anybody ever read that statement? Well, what do you think He meant? You think He meant that's okay, go out and send them all? Go out and live with somebody for next week? You know, go out and lie to your brother? Go out and cheat? Take money under the table of the company you work for? You think that's what he meant when he said, Be holy, for I am holy? I don't think we understand what holiness is in the church. I don't think we understand what sin is. We don't understand how easy it is to sin. We need to walk holy. And if you don't want one of them things that we had here last week living in your flesh, then you better make sure that you walk holy. And I had a little lady tell me the other day, she said, Thurman, the first time you've spoken these demons, I thought, Lord, I, I'm bound to have some of these things. So she said, I went home and I repented of every sin that I knew of that, I, that I'd ever done. And then I took the word of God and commanded these demons to leave me. Can you do that? Sure you can. Sure you can. Now then, you can do it unless you got more of them rulers of darkness like that little lady had here. Now, if that little lady had that thing here, she'd have tried to go through a deliverance herself. She couldn't have done it. You know why she couldn't have done it? Because there was more of them things in there, and they would have taken control of her tongue and everything else, and they would have absolutely choked her and killed her. And she could not have delivered herself because there were so many powerful demons in a precious little woman. A Christian woman. A woman that knows Jesus. Now, if you don't have those big powerful ones, and if you do need to go through deliverance yourself, and it wouldn't hurt, you say, well, I ain't going up here and let Thurman cast out no demon out of me. (laughs) Okay. If you don't want to come up here and you want to do it at home, then this is the first thing you want to do. And I'm going to tell you, it wouldn't hurt if every human being in this room done that for themselves, just between them and God. Because you don't know what you got. How many of you, how many of you, now I'm going to to have to hold up both hands, but how many of you are like me from the time you got saved till now you know you've sinned? Yeah. That's why I'm holding up both hands. I know I have. Well, when I opened that door to them devils, although I lived a fairly holy life, Compared to some people, I know I lived a fairly holy life, but I still opened the door to the devil in many different ways. Many. And I had demons, and the Lord told me I had them. So, if you you know you sinned, you go home and repent for every sin you've ever committed. And if you're a man and a wife together, the best thing to do is do it together. So, if one of them manifests in one of you, the other one's there. It's like a little... Boy one day, 18 years old, was at home, was sitting there, and his mother, I was in a church service, and this 18-year-old boy sitting here and his mother, which must have been about 40, I'm guessing, was sitting right beside him. Sweet little lady, you know, probably weighed 130 pounds, you know, the sweetest little Christian woman you'd ever want to meet. And her son was just a lovely young man, 18 years old, loved Jesus with all his heart. They'd been in church all their life. And we got to talk about demons. And all of a sudden, this little woman began to just call up. And she fell off the end of the pew on the floor, hissing. And her son's looking down at He says, we walked up and said, who's that? He said, I think that's my mother. <laughs> you never seen your mother do nothing like that? He said, never. What's wrong with her? I said, no, no problem. She's got a demon. Just got a demon. I said, we have been given all power and all authority over the devil. You know, that's just what happens. Most people when a demon manifests, they're intimidated and you don't know what to do. You don't know who you are. You don't know you're a son of God. You don't know all power has been given to you over the devil. If you've got all your sins repented up, that devil has no power over you whatsoever. He cannot touch you unless you open that door through sin. I mean, you and me today that are born again, spirit-filled Christians that know that our sins are repented of, we can walk right through the snake pit of hell and ain't not one single one of them can bite you. Not one. You have no fear, but the minute you step into, whoops, one of them reaches out and says, I'm fixing to get you, and you hesitate and say, "Ah, he got you. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. But that little woman we kicked the devils out of her. And in a few minutes, of course, the demons manifest just like they did in this young lady here the other day. They manifest and they screamed and they kicked and they did all kinds of things. Well, after we got them all kicked out, then we got all of her sins repented up so they couldn't come back in. And that little 18-year-old boy sitting there, he, he said, he said, said Mama, are you okay? Uh, she said, yeah, son, I'm fine. What's wrong? See, Mama didn't have any recollection of what happened. Mama, do you know you're laying on the floor a few minutes ago hissing like a snake? She's all oh, son, come on. I would never do nothing like that. The demon had total control of her. I mean, you don't remember when the demons have control of you. That's why when these and my hats off to these police officers today that go into a home, especially people that are not Christians that have demons that manifest, that's why these people get killed. Can you imagine a man? That would be beating his wife with a hammer or killing her or the children. Hey, that's a demon. This kind of stuff happens all the time. And we say, how could somebody do something like that? Somebody can't. But a demon in somebody can. And so as a Christian, if you're ashamed to go through deliverance, then go home and do it yourself. But go home and repent of every sin. I mean, make sure you've covered them all. And then take the Word of God and read Scriptures like Luke 10, 19, and 20 over and over and over 20 or 30 times till you know that you have been given power and authority by the King of the universe over these demons and they have to be subject to you. Till you know that you know that you're bigger than they are in the name of Jesus. And when you know that, Then, if you're a man and woman that are married, you know, that live together as man and wife, then do it together, if you will. You know, and the husband's the one to do it, and he is to command that no demons manifest in either one of you, then you, after, after repenting of all sin, then command the demons to leave you, and command them to leave your house. Now, some of you, we'll notice a remarkable difference if the man will take that authority and rebuke every demon of hell over him and his children. I command every demon, especially if you do this knowing you're seated with Christ in the throne of grace, the third heaven. From there, the devil's under your feet. You can notice a remarkable difference in your home, the way your children and everybody act when you kick these devils out because they're there in your house. And their goal is to steal, kill, and to destroy. Now, I don't know many people that has the faith that's necessary if the devil goes about like a roaring lion. What does that mean? Well, the average human being, I better not do this. I might scare the socks off of some of you, but I'll do it gently. <laughs> if I were to all be standing here all of a sudden just move like lightning and had a mouth of a lion or a snake, and I were to scream and throw it right in your face, most of you would panic. Very few of you could sit there solid as a rock, and not even bat an eye. That's where you need to be. Because that's what the devil does. He comes to you as a roaring lion to kill you. And most of us as Christians don't know who we are. How do we not know who we are? We don't know the Word. How did I learn these things? In the Word. Thousands and thousands of hours I studied the Word. And over these hours, locked up just me and God, when everybody else was out having fun or doing something, I was in a room locked up with the Word of God, just night after night after night, reading and studying and praying over the Word. And that's why God revealed these things to me. It didn't come easy. It didn't come out doing things, the worldly thing. It didn't come sitting there eating popcorn, drinking Dr. Pepper and watching TV, you know. I mean, back in those days, I would have loved to have done that, because that's when my flesh wanted to do that. Today, my flesh don't even want to do that. I mean, now, don't get me wrong. I still love popcorn. You
1: know?
0: I mean, don't get me wrong. I still love popcorn. I can eat popcorn, you know. Not anything wrong with eating popcorn. In fact, I eat popcorn another night to 1.30 in the morning while I study in the Word. I had a great big day, he brought me a great big bowl, a bu- bucket. I guess that's a five quart bucket that uh, had ice cream in it, and it was full of popcorn. And so I nibbled on that for the next two hours while I studied in the Word until I eat every grain. So I like popcorn. Not anything wrong with eating popcorn. You know, so, but anyway, these devils of hell that are out there, these wicked, ghastly things, their goal is to enter you. And one of them is just waiting and lurking to get in you, Carol. Isn't that a re- thought, really, to think about this week? Not really. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, when you learn these things, well, in fact, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, Carol had one of those at least. One of the first times I met her, she came to a healing school and she'd had a pain in her leg or hip or something. I forgot what it was. For a long time. It was a demon. It was a spirit of pain. And she was sitting out there just listening to the Word of God being taught. And after two or three hours of teaching, all of a sudden she noticed her pain went away. And she kept, I got tickled at her. I've told this on her before. She kept moving around and said, Lord, where is it? Surely it's down there somewhere. I can't find it. It wasn't there. It had left. What do you think it was? A demon that was in Carol that's causing her pain. And from the Word of God being taught, the demon left and Carol got healed. And you never had that pain anymore, have you, Carol? How long has that been? Two or three years ago? A couple, years. a couple of years ago. Isn't that wonderful that the Word of God delivered... How many years... How long had you had the pain, Carol? Oh, <clears throat> several years. Several years. She'd had a demon of hell living in her flesh... A pain, a spirit of pain, but just didn't have any idea what it was. But she came here, and I taught the Word of God, and the Word of God drove out these demons, and she got healed. In two years, she's not been with pain. Isn't it amazing what God's Word does? What, honey?
1: Tell
0: them about Sherry Rogers, the lady in the bed. Oh, okay, the testimony time, I guess. There was a young lady by the name of Sherry Rogers that listened to us on the Internet, and uh, wherever she lives, I don't even know where she lives, I forget. But anyway, wherever it was, she could get us on the Internet, because you can get us on the Internet worldwide. Well, she found us somehow, and so after listening to a few programs, she contacted us and wanted some of our stuff. So we send out free uh, TVDs and CDs and everything to whoever, and we sent out the stuff to her. And I didn't realize until she listened to the stuff over and over. That she called, or she wrote a letter the other day, and said, if possible, I would love to have you call me and pray for me. She said, I've been listening to your stuff for a, a, several months now, and I have repented of every sin I've ever done. So, I called her the other night, about 9 or 10 o'clock. And I said, "Miss Rogers, this is Thurman Scrivener. She said, praise God, I've been waiting for your phone call. She said, I said, what's wrong with you? She said, I had this back problem for years But said, now then, the last two years, I'm down and bedridden with my back. I said, how old are you? She said, I'm 58. I said, so 56, you come went down, you were bedridden in bed. You can't walk at all? She said, no, sir, I have not been able to walk for two years. I said, but you've repented of all your sins? She said, yes. I said, do you believe these promises of God? She said, I do. She said, I have never, she said, my husband, I said, we went to church. But she said, the church I went to didn't teach me these things. But she said, they're in my Bible. She said, I am ready for you to pray for me when you do. She said, I'm going to be healed. Now, is that woman on the right track? She's on the right track. So I rebuked the spirits of hell that had attacked her flesh in the name of Jesus. And she said the same thing, Carol. My pain just left. I said, if your pain just left, Jesus has healed you. I said, get over to the edge of the bed, woman, and stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. I said, you got to act on the Word. I said, your pain's gone. That's an indication Jesus has driven out that devil and you're healed. She moved over to the side of the bed. She said, Thurman, there is no pain. No pain. First time in years, no pain. And she stood up and she said, I'm standing. I said, well, don't just stand there, woman. Walk. And she said, I'm walking, I'm walking. And so finally, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes later when I got off the phone, she's still walking around the room, no pain, first time in over two years that she stood and walked with no pain. Now, over the telephone, I'm sure glad that I didn't know that Jesus stopped doing miracles 2,000 years ago. I'm so glad I don't know that. Aren't you, brother? Yes, I'm so glad that I don't. Know. I'm so glad that I read the part where Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. That He still does miracles today, just like He did 2,000 years ago. Isn't He wonderful? He's more than wonderful. He is awesome. But the devil has deceived you and me to the point that we've not believed these promises of God. And we've not believed when our king told us we are not to sin, so we go out and live like the world. And most Christians, you can't tell the difference between a Christian and the world. And that's a shame. And when we live there, yes, we get demons. And then when those demons come in us and they begin to control us, when you want to go to church, they said, no, 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 we don't want to go to church. No, 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 we don't want to go to church. No, no. Some of you might have been here the day we'd picked up the chairs, we were praying for people, and this was another demon manifestation, and I was over here praying for people, and all of a sudden, this woman over here fell on the floor. And I prayed for this person, I looked over there, and I said, What's going on? What's wrong with that woman? What'd she just fall for? And Jan Scott was standing under beside her, her, and she said, Well, third, I think she's got a demon. And I said, Well, let me come over here and see what's wrong with her. And I started doing and she fell on the floor. And she was laying on the floor with her face right down on the floor, just as tight as it could get on the concrete. I said, ma'am, are you okay? And she says, I hate that voice. She makes me listen to those tapes every day. I hate that voice. I walked up my lady, and I said, you devil of hell, come out of her in the name of Jesus. And that devil come out of her. And she looked up, and she said, what am I doing on the floor? I said, you must have slipped and fell down. Let me... Help you up, ma'am. I said, now then, you've been listening to the tapes, you had a demon. I had a demon? Yes. Did she know it? No. Did she remember it? No. But it was amazing how many people was here that night, that evening, and saw that demon manifest in that woman. Can a Christian have a demon? Yeah. Keith, can a Christian have a demon? <laughs> when somebody says... Keith, have you ever seen a demon manifest in a Christian? You can say, yes, I have now, can't you? And it, it's really a sad thing, wasn't it, Shelley, to think of that poor little girl that was beat up so by the devil. And the beautiful part about it was, after we got the demons all kicked out of her, and she just wilted and fell down in a chair, weak as a kitten, I told all the ladies now, I said, ladies, y'all come over and lay your hands on her, pray for her, minister to her, and build her up. Because see, the demons are gone. They're out of the place. There ain't no danger now. Maybe who you are. So many of the ladies in this church came over and prayed over, talked to her and shared with her. And that, that's what the church is about. We're supposed to help each other. You know, that's what the church is about. When we get to the point where we can believe the Word of God and we get free from all these devils of hell, then think what we can do as a church. In fact, right here would be a good point. I'm going to ask... Uh, some of you heard this and some of you hadn't, but Ty here, he got into the deliverance ministry in a strange way, and he was a doctor at that time, doctoring, and he had, he had been asking the Lord to reveal to him what demons were, because God was leading him in that direction. And I want Ty to come up here and tell us about the first time a man and a woman came to his office that God allowed him to see a demon. Come up here, Ty, and tell us what that looked like. I mean, you know, you got to see these devils. Yeah, he really, see, he prayed and asked God to show him what demons were. And I want you to see, hear what he has to say when the Lord showed him this.
1: This was, this was in 1991. And I had, had been baptized by the Holy Spirit. And I'd asked the Lord for the gifts, and He'd, he'd, he'd given me the, the gifts, the fruit and i had this love joy and peace and i said that why is great lord and I, and I kept reading about jesus casting out demons and i kept reading that i was going to do the same things that jesus did so i started asking him i said daddy i, I want to do i want to do this i want to see these demons i've never seen a demon i want to see a demon and so one day I was I was looking at a little dog, a little Chihuahua, and there was a lady to me and a man that brought it in. And this lady starts crying. And she, she, I looked up. And I said, "What's wrong?" She said, I said "Well, I I've given my life to Jesus, and my husband hates him. And Every time I mention Jesus, he gets upset." I said, "Doctor Davenport, will you will you talk to him?" He was in the room with us. And so I looked up, and she's crying now, and she's leaning against the wall over here. And I looked up, and this man had turned into a giant lizard. (laughs) Now, I've only been filled with the Holy Spirit a few months. (laughs) I didn't. I, I was scared, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know what to do with this. And so I looked back down at the dog, and I looked over at her, and I looked back at him. And he was still a lizard, and he was getting bigger. <laughs> and she's crying, and she can't see him, but I can see him. So I, I, you know, I, I sheepishly looked down, and I said, "Lord, I said, what, what do I do?" I said, well, "Jesus, Jesus loves you." To this man. And as I started talking about Jesus, these scales started falling off of him. And I could see a pile of scales on the floor there. I didn't know what was happening. As I looked back up again, now his eyes are turning red. And he's getting larger all this time. And now he's, he's huge. And he's standing up. he's got this lizard, he's a lizard head. And now he's looking mean, like he's getting ready to jump on me. And so I said, nurse, nurse! I called for my nurses. <laughs> you notice he's calling for women, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Those two nurses came kind of running in there. And I looked up, and now he's, he's back normal again. he got this smirk on his face. I'll never forget you. I, you know, the devil, and I knew that he'd won this battle. I didn't ask to see a demon for probably ten years after that. yeah, I told you know I told Cheryl about it, and of course, you know, it, I, ju- I just stayed in Daddy's word and kept reading the word. And about ten years later, I, I, the boldness started building back up in me again. And I said, I, I want Daddy, I want to see him now. So now I understand what to do. I still never been taught by anybody other than the Holy Spirit on what to do with these demons. So the Lord lets me see this... this uh, well, first of all, this cowboy came out to the ranch to buy some bulls. And the whole time, he was just cursing the Lord. And I kept saying, Lord, you know, now, now, Lord, I, you know, I was going to talk to him about Jesus and kept saying no. The Holy Spirit kept saying no. I said, now, now, Lord, no. So the whole day went by and now the guy's getting ready to leave. I'm saying, Lord, I didn't get a chance. And the guy said, I'm going to buy two bulls from you. I'm going to come in the morning and pick them up. So he leaves. And I'm like, Lord, I didn't get to talk to him about you. So I went home and told Cheryl about it. And we prayed. About 3 o'clock in the morning, the Lord showed this guy to me, this old man. And he started manifesting. turned into this dragon-looking demon. And so I... Boldly cast him out. So the next morning comes and the guy comes and I'm all excited because I woke up and I said, Boy, now I know what's going to happen. The Lord just showed me what was going to happen. So the next morning this guy comes and I told him, I said, Jim, we got to go back over to the house and get the ejaculator. It's a bullet te- semen tester, testing for semen. So we start back to the house and we get to the house and I said, Now, Lord, he said, Yeah. So I look over, I said, Jim, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And he just starts bawling and crying like a baby. He said, I woke up during the night, and I asked him to be my, I said, I asked him to be my Lord and Savior. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I didn't say this out loud, so I'm like, I didn't get to cast this demon out. <laughs> yes, you did. It's the night. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a night. Well, that's what Cheryl told yeah. me. <laughs> <Yeah>. Very <laughs> the king. Yeah. So, so that's, how, that's how it started, you know, and... and All I can say is this. 1 John 2.27 says that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things that man need not teach you anything. And those of you that are willing to stay in Daddy's Word and to be taught by Daddy, He will perfect you. and He will teach you as His disciples. And then He'll use you to do the same things that He did. You now, the, the secret is, is, is spending time with Daddy and asking Jesus to see these people through His eyes. Asking Jesus to give you ears to hear Him speak to you. Asking Him to give you ears to hear Him so that the Holy Spirit will teach you these things. And asking Him to see through His eyes. So if you start asking Jesus, Daddy, I want to, I want to see. You. Through your eyes. I want to hear. It. I want to hear through your ears, Daddy. And now I want to speak, Daddy. I want you to speak through me. I want you to be, Lord, who speaks through me. So it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Amen. And now I speak Daddy's words. And So if you'll ask that, and you'll start seeking and asking and knocking, Daddy, Daddy tells you, all you got to do is ask and seek and knock. And then I'll train you. I'll make you one of my disciples. And then you'll do what I told you to do. You'll go out. You'll heal the sick. You'll cleanse the lepers. You'll raise the dead. And you'll cast out demons. Freely, I've given this to you. Daddy says... Now, freely, I want you to give it to others. And that's what I have
0: to say. Praise God. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. When you learn who these beasts are and what we're fighting against, these should be in the world and not in the church. Now, you notice that this woman got saved and her husband wasn't saved, and he was smirking, and just like the other guy, he was cursing God and everything. Those are demons that are in people. Now then, when you learn these are demons, that means that when you go to your workplace, like I did when I was out here at Sky Chef, but Sky Chef is no different than any other place. But when I walked in there that morning the first time ten years ago, over ten years ago now, And I heard all those people, men and women, using all the foul language they were using. Who do you think that was talking? Demons. That's not... It's coming out of the mouths of human beings, but it's demons speaking to the mouths of those people. Now, then, when you learn, as a Christian, when you walk into a place like that, when Satan seems to have control of it, if you're the only Christian that walks into that place, how much... If you're walking holy in obedience to God's Word... How much power and authority do you have over the devil? So then you used for a little lady like you to be afraid, is a Brittany? Not at all. You just exercise your power and your authority as a human being that's a Christian spirit filled, and then you take the word of God. Now I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to show you something here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <clears throat> These things have to become a revelation to you. Now, you notice that when Ty told you a while ago that after this woman got saved, her husband, he didn't want nothing to do with it. Why did he not want nothing to do with it? He was a demon. He was a big, green, lizard demon. Now then, like I've said many a time, I mean, I know the first time I saw one, of course, I can laugh at Ty there being scared and holler, nurse, nurse, come in here. Well, let me tell you, the only difference between he and I, when the first demon manifested me, I didn't have no nurse to a call loader. I had a call loader, but I guarantee it scared me just as bad as it did him. You know, when you see a demon manifest in a human being and you don't really have the understanding, and this is what's so sad, the church ought to be teaching us this stuff. We ought to know we ought to come into church as little children. By the time we get to be eight or ten years old, we ought to all be filled with the Holy Ghost and know who the devil is and know what it is to walk holy and know what the devil, what these things look like and the power we have over them. And we ought to walk as a church across this country, casting out demons, like he said, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, and raising the dead. That's what Jesus said. Just like when Ty and I and our wives went over the other afternoon at the invitation of a man that was blind and couldn't hardly get out of a chair or nothing else. And he was a Christian, but he had not been walking with God. He knew he needed to be in church, but he was not there. But we didn't come at him with condemnation. We just asked him if he would repent and start serving God. And he said he would. And we walked up to him, laid our hands on him, and said, the Lord freely, the Lord's given us this power. He told us freely to give it away. And we laid our hands on that man and prayed to rebuke the devils over him. And before we left, the man could see and he could walk. And the next day he called Rosemary and he was very, very happy that he was really good by the next morning, wasn't he, Rosemary? He was really a happy camper. Well, the thing about it is this is what God sent us to do as the church. But in Second Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 3, it says, But... If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now, if the gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. It's not supposed to be hid from you and I. As Christians, we're supposed to know it. Well, if it's hid, why or who is doing this to them? Verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world. Who is the God of this world? Who? Satan. Satan. I mean, I made that statement one time in a class I was teaching, and a woman says, you know, I used to and and said, the God of this world. I immediately thought about Jesus being the God of this world. No, Jesus is not the God of this world. The devil is the God of this world. Jesus don't hide or blind your mind to the gospel. The devil does. But it says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, I used to wonder, why in the world? Why in the world I could not get people to believe this word? I'd be talking to a man like that, not knowing, Ty, he was a demon. Not knowing just like that man that come to buy the bulls. the second one you said, "Lord, let me talk to him about Jesus." He said, "No, no, 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 not yet, no, no. And you was talking to him about me. He has a big demon dragon in him. so it ain't going to be no use for you to even think about talking to him right now because he ain't going to talk to you. You know, You start talking about me right now. this man's going to get mad, he's going to leave, and you're going to leave a good, lose a good sale of a couple of bulls. So you just keep, you just keep your mouth shut. You let him buy your bulls and everything. And then tonight in the dream, I'll show you what's wrong. You cast out that dragon tonight in the dream. And then he'll fall on his knees and get saved tomorrow when he comes over. Then you can talk to him about Jesus. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't God awesome? I mean, the king, he knows what he's doing, don't he? He knows what he's doing. So that's why you have to listen and pray about everything. Lord, should I do this? Should I do that? How should I do this? If the Lord says it's time to share the gospel with that person, you talk to him. If you say, I need to talk to you about Jesus... And if you say that in your sense, I had you to talk to that man about Jesus. The Lord says, no, not yet. He said, what? Not yet? Oh, he said, not, not yet. Just wait on me. Oh, but Lord, you told me to go. That's got to be the devil telling me. That. that can't be God. He told me to go share the gospel with everybody. But there's a time for everything. A time for everything. And it wasn't right. Because the God of this world had blinded that man's mind to the gospel. Now, the God of this world, which had controlled both of those men. One of them was a giant lizard. One of them was a giant dragon. But both of them were demons. And the Lord revealed to Ty one of them, he literally got to see with his physical or spiritual eyes. What would you do if you had been praying for something like that? Shelly, what would you do if you walked into a precious, beautiful little lady like you? You walked in and you're talking to a man and all of a sudden he turns into a great big green lizard right in front of you. What would that do to you, girl? It'd scare you. Of course it would. But once you get to be a spirit-filled woman of God, you ought to say, "Ah, that's a devil in that man. And you should not let it intimidate you at all, right? You say, I'm a princess of the king of the universe and that beast can't touch me. In fact, look him right now and say, you devil of hell, come out of him in the name of Jesus. And you know when we do that? When we get to where we can do that, you know what the devils are going to start doing? They're going to bow. When you really know what you're doing, You know, when you really got it in here that you know you're a princess of the king of the universe and that all power is given to you over the devil, when I manifest in your presence, you just say, come out of him, you devil, in Jesus' name. And when you do that in bold faith, what's going to happen? What happened right here Sunday afternoon? Yeah, but did he come out instantly? No, I mean, it was not without a battle. It was a battle. One more time. How many of you saw the manifestation of that demon Sunday evening? Hold your hand up high. Wow, there was a whole bunch of you here. Several of you got to see that. Praise God. Praise God to get to see the manifestations of a demon. It makes you aware of what these things can do and how they can take control of your flesh. But right here, these things, if you're lost, the God of this world has blinded your mind to the gospel. Now, if you're a lost person and people, you go up, some man is lost and his precious little wife gets saved like that one you're telling us about, she's crying and said every time I even talk about Jesus, he don't want nothing to say about it. You know, he gets mad, cusses, all kinds of stuff. How many people have you known in your life that undergo those kind of things? Some of you known people like that, haven't you? Some of you, some of you women been married to one of them. Didn't know you were married to a demon, but you were. And that demon was, whenever that demon would manifest in that human being, he might bodily do, just think, a man that could walk down the aisle with a beautiful woman, his bride, and marry her, and tell her how much he loves her, and then a few days, or a few weeks, or a few months, or even a year or two later, he is so physically abusive to her, slapping her around, throwing her against the wall, to hurt her. You think that's a human being doing that? No, No, it's a devil. But see, the problem of it is people today don't know who they are or the power and authority they have over those demons. Did you know if you're a woman and you know that you have the power that I'm going to share with you this afternoon in this book, and these promises are yours, if you happen to be confronted with a situation like that instead of allowing a devil to intimidate you, you'll turn and you'll throw your finger right in the face of that man or that demon and you say, "I am a daughter of the King of the Universe, and I have all power over you, because it is written." Now, in the name of Jesus, I command you not to touch me in Jesus' name. And when you do it in bold faith, I'm going to tell you that guy may come roaring up at you and say, "I'm going to kill you," and that's as close as he can get. Why is that as close as he can get? Because the King of the Universe stand there with an angel, and he said, "That woman knows who she is, and that devil ain't going to touch you, and he'll protect you." You know that. Now, the king, when you walk in total bold faith, think what he will do. Is he a faith God? When you do something, that's why I'm telling you today where you're living and I'm living with what the devil is doing to the world right now. If the church don't learn who she is pretty quick, we're going to be wiped out with the world. Look what just happened down. I mean, I Think. Just a few weeks ago, we had a Katrina, which was a 100-year hurricane. And three weeks later, we had another 100-year hurricane. And then a few weeks later, we have Wilma, which hadn't hit the United States yet, but it's on the way. It's already wiped out, and Cancun. The Yucatan Peninsula down through there, it just went through there and just tore up everything. And it not only was a 100-year hurricane, it was the biggest one that's ever been own record. Bigger than Katrina and Rita. The greatest differential pressure that's ever been in a hurricane. Just a little over 26 inches of mercury. 882 millibars of pressure was what the pressure was in that hurricane. That is the lowest barometric pressure in a hurricane that's ever been recorded. That's over three full inches of differential pressure. I know to you people that are not engineers, that don't mean nothing. But if you were to lower the differential pressure, the pressure right now in this room is 2,992. 2,992 inches of mercury. In fact, I could go right outside the walls of this place and I could lower the barometric pressure to 2650 in a heartbeat like it is in that hurricane. This building would explode like a nuclear bomb. Explode. Just like a nuclear bomb hit it. It would blow every wall down. It would totally blow this thing all to pieces. See, people don't understand pressures. That's just like, I'll give you an example. Keith's a pilot over here, he'll understand this, I'm sure. When I used to be a systems technical instructor on the DC-8 and the 707, 727, all those different airplanes I used to teach, the 727 says never pressurize more than one-eighth psi until you've lifted off. I mean, that's in the book. So one day I'm teaching that, and I says, and one guy said, well, you know, I always, I said, anybody in here ever pressurize more than an eighth before takeoff? One of the engineers said, "Oh yeah, I always pressurize to a half." I said, "Why?" He said, "Because it makes the bump when we take off a little easier on people's ears." <coughs> I said, "Do you have any idea why that book says never pressurize more than one eighth psi before takeoff?" He said, "Well, no." I said, "Do you think it could create a problem?" He said, "Well, I don't see how. The difference between an eighth and a half is not very much. Only three eighths of an inch. <coughs> that don't sound like much, does it? Three eighths of an inch." That's not very much until you put it in pressure. Three-eighths of a PSI. That door going out of the side of the airplane happens to have about 4,000 square inches on it. Somewhere in the neighborhood. Depends on which airplane you're flying. A big one or a little one. But anyway, a door that weighs, I mean a door that has 4,000 square inches on it. Now then... If you put one-eighth of a pound per square inch on every square inch of that door, you've got some significant weight on that door. But if you put a half a PSI on that door, you've got 2,000 pounds of pressure trying to push that door out. Now then, how many of you all can pick up 2,000 pounds? So, it doesn't sound like a big deal. You pressurize at a half, you go ripping down the runway and something happens and you have an emergency stop and the pressurization and the electrical system fails and the pressurization valve slams shut and you can't get the air out of the airplane. So you got a half a PSI in there. No big deal until you try to open the door. When you try to turn that handle to pull that door in with 2,000 pounds on that door, it don't come in. How are you going to get out? You can't. Unless somebody happens to remember where the ax is. And they break a window out. If they don't remember that, they're in trouble. You see why the books are written? You know, you, the average pilot probably today said, "Oh Well, an eighth, don't ever pressurize over a half. What's the big deal? Well, that's just like when God says no sin versus a little sin. So what's the big difference? Only life and death, right, Keith? Only life and... Only demons or no demons, right? And you don't want them demons after you've seen them... In, You don't want them in your house, do you? No. I don't want them. So now then, we ain't going to pressurize a half before takeoff when it says an eighth anymore either, are we, Keith? No. Because if we had an emergency problem, and that's emergency, those valves, the pressurization valves slam shut, and that airplane's pressurized to a half, you can't get out of that beast without breaking a window. I mean, a half doesn't sound like much, does it? No. No. It's amazing what we don't know. With the technical world we live in today, what you don't know will kill you. That's just like chemicals. It says, be sure and wear these special gloves because this chemical will penetrate your skin. How many of you know chemicals will penetrate right through the skin? Do you know they have stuff that they doctor animals with? They pour it on their back. And that's the way you warm them, grub them, and everything else. You can literally pour it on her back. And it soaks in, don't it, Ty? Sure. Makes it real easy. You don't have to give them a shot or nothing. Just pour it on. And the guys goes out there and handles that stuff. Guess what that stuff will do to you? It'll soak in you just like it did that animal. You don't want it. Instructions. We don't read them. And so it costs us our life. The most important instructions in the world... Is right here. And they mean what they say, don't they, Keith? And when you see a demon manifests, it changes your life forever. I mean, my first one changed my life forever. Ty's first one changed his life forever. But I've seen them just like he has. I've not seen one turn into a lizard yet, but I've seen them. And I've seen what they do. And I see the results of these things. And the sad part about it is these devils are blinding the minds of people so they can't get saved. So I used to pray for people. Lord, save Melanie in the name of Jesus. And finally one day he said, well, that's what I'm trying to do. I said, what? You're trying to save her? Well, then I've been praying for you to save her. Why haven't you saved her? He said, because son, the God of this world has blinded her mind to the gospel and it can't get through. I said, Lord, I don't understand this. That If the devil's blinding her mind where she can't hear the gospel, then what am I supposed to do? Turn over to Luke 10, 19. We're going to show you what the king told you to do. And when I got a hold of this, Then, Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20. Jesus is speaking and he says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, or Satan and his demons, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, and notwithstanding in this rejoice not, that the evil spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now you read that a few dozen times and how much power did the Lord give you over the devil and his demons? Well then what is it we don't understand about all? Are you getting a hold of that? I'm beginning to. If you get a hold of that, if the king, if the king which defeated this devil 2,000 years ago and turned to you and me and said, I give you power. Whoa. Yeah. He didn't just say men. he's talking about women too. I give you power. We pray like God's not on our side. We pray like we're trying to get the king to do something he's reluctant to do. When he's, we're on his side. We're his children. He said, I don't want these devils to hurt you. Now, but I've made a set of rules. If you sin, they're going to get in you. He said, they know that. So he said, don't sin and they can't touch you. And then he said, if one of them does get into you, repent and drive him out. When you get a hold of this, I mean, you can change things in your house. You can literally change things. And you don't realize how these devils can attack us and afflict us with sickness and disease. It's not always the point that your husband or your wife goes off on a wild tangent and doing something stupid. It just may be that your wife comes down with a headache one morning. If she's got a spirit of pain... All you got to do as a priest in her home is make sure that her sins are repented of and walk up and lay your hands on her head and command that demon to leave in the name of Jesus. And he, g- he goes away. Instead of going to the medicine cabinet, and somebody else told me one day said, we heard you make a statement and it really offended me. You said that doctors and nurses were of the devil. Let me make this very clear. On this tape, there is some wonderful men and women of God out there that's doctors and nurses. And they're serving the Lord and doing a great and mighty work. But this is what I consider to be of the devil. And of course, the Christian men and women, they love to take part in this. Because I believe that if a Christian... Doctor or nurse, they ought to be willing to take care of anybody that comes into the hospital where they have money or where they don't have money. Christians, I'm talking about. Christians are supposed to give. But if they turn you away and you've got a serious illness and they will not let you come in and they will not doctor you because you don't have any money, then they're not of God. They're not of God. God would never turn away no one. There ain't never no place in this book where he turned away somebody who was sick. He took care of them. Or, the second part I'm down on is when they bring you in, if you have money or you don't have money, or if you have money or you got insurance, and they know that, and then they've told me before, well, we'll do this little minor surgery on your finger. It's only going to cost you $4,000. $4,000 to take a few stitches in my finger? No, 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 no. That's not God. He don't do business like that. I mean, I was over at Ty's house the other day, and we were doing some work on Cheryl's dog. Angel. The little dog, Angel. Her child. Her child. child. Now, now, Ty was real smart. He wouldn't let her go where he was going to do the surgery. Because he knew she would probably pass out. She would have screamed or something when Ty cut the hole in her. And so I'd take out two little cysts on her back. You know, it didn't take long to do it. But while we were there, he looked up at me and he said, Hey, them little tiny gross you got there on the eye. I said, What's that? He said, You see them little things out right there? I said, Well, yeah, have a little tiny gross sticking out there. He said, You want to get rid of those? I said, Sure. He said, I'll take them off for you. I said, How do you do? He said, Close your eye. I closed my eyes. I said, What are you going to do? Bam! I felt a little stick. I said, What happened? He said, Close your eye. <laughs> I said, What do you say? I'm cutting them off. I said, wow, that is quick and easy. He said, oh, yeah, if you'd went to the hospital, they'd charge you at least $1,000 a piece. Cut them off. Now, let me tell you, that's a Christian doctor. He took them off in two seconds for nothing. (laughs) I mean, I know he's got to make money. You know, I know he's got to make money. But, you know, if they would have charged me that kind of money to take some little something like that off, when he took it off in a second, and it just was gone. I mean, and they didn't grow back or nothing, you know, but it was so easy. But I think about the doctors that go in and do a surgery on you that takes them 30 minutes or an hour. And some of those doctors charge $10,000, $30,000. Or, you know, they go in and you do an open-heart surgery, which they do in a matter of hours. They've got this thing down to a size, and this thing, you can't get out of there for less than a quarter of a million dollars. Now, that's not God. You know, I'm sorry, that's not God. You know, It may be some good Christian men and women that are doing it, but they're reaping too much benefits. And the reason some of them have to have that kind of money is because we, as people, have sued those doctors when they don't do something exactly right. So we're part of the problem too. You know what the whole problem is? It's sin. If we would stop sinning and walk in obedience to God's Word, we as Christians would not have to go to those doctors. We would be able to take God's word and stand on His word and walk in divine health. But since we don't know this and we sin, we get these same demons the world's got, and these same demons come into us and they torment us. I mean, just like the other day when I had the attack on my leg. When I called him, and asked him to pray for me. he said, "I'm coming out and look at it." I said, "No, do you don't have to come over here?" He said, "I'm coming." I said, "Okay, come on." He got him and looked at it, and he said, he looked at my leg, he said, I guarantee if he wasn't a man of faith, I'd have you in the hospital with surgery right now. But he said, I know you're a man of faith, I know you ain't going. I said, that's right, I ain't going. So he done what I asked him to do, he prayed over me. And a few days later, of course, after he prayed, he prayed, and I prayed, and Eldon prayed, and we all prayed, and that night, the next morning, everybody prayed, Cheryl's all of them prayed, the next morning, he called, and he says, uh, how are you doing? I said, well, great. And he says, well, how's that red streak? It's going from your all the way to your, le- to your ankle. And I said, well, I don't know. I hadn't looked, but I'm sure it's okay. So Cheryl jumps up there, and she begins to look all down my leg. She said, that red streak's not there. And he said, that's got to be from God. And he said, there ain't no way in the world that thing could have went away. As a doctor, so he's looking at it from a doctor, saying, ain't no way that thing could have went away that quick, except by prayer. He said, well, how big a knot you got in your groin? Where your, what do you call them things? Lymph nodes? Lip nodes. He said, how big is the swelling on those? And I felt all down here all and I said, ain't nothing there. Nothing sore. No knots. No nothing. He said, that's got to be another answer from God. <laughs> now, see, this is a doctor. From a doctor, he knows what was going to happen to your flesh without God's intervention. That's right. He knows what's going to happen. But by faith, we can overcome that. We can stand on God's mighty word by faith. And you don't have to have surgery, you know, if you believe. But everybody can't believe. So thank God we do have some good Christian doctors and nurses out there that are there to help you. And they're there for your benefit. And, of course, some of them do make a lot of money with what they do. But I guess, you know, they go to school a lot of years, and if they make the money, that's okay. But, I mean, when they charge you thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars for one day or one surgery, I think that's too much. You agree with that too, don't you, Ty? Yeah. It's a ripoff. When they could have done it for a reasonable amount. And I'm telling you, if we'd stop sinning, if the church would stop sinning, well, we wouldn't hardly have to need no doctors. You know, in fact, if we would stop sinning, then what Ty said, Well to go freely we've been given, freely we could give it away. We could go out in the world and pray for people that were sick and afflicted and get them healed. But the church As the Lord says, my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will heal your land. And that's why we're where we are. But all of us don't have to be there. We can walk holy before God. And if we will believe these promises, you can take these promises. You can command them devils to come out of somebody and stop blinding their mind to the gospel. And then you can ask the Lord to send the Holy Spirit to convict them of sin. And you can see men and women that in no wise could get saved. Just like Ty gave us the example a while ago. The Lord told him not to share with that man because he had a dragon demon in him. He knew he wasn't going to hear. But that night in a dream, he was able to kick that devil out of that man and that man woke up in the night because in the spirit world it makes no what God doing, whether you're in a sleep or a dream or whatever, and God delivered that man from that demon and that man fell out of bed that night and accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Yeah. You see what happened when you kicked the devil out? As long as that devil's in there, you think that man would have ever come to Christ? Never. No, never. That's right. Never. You could have talked to him, you could have got him, you could have slapped him, you could have taken him on the leg look over in heaven and see the golden Now nah, I don't want that junk. <laughs> when you kick that devil out of him, and you can't do it by force, can you? You can only do it with the Word of God. When you take the Word, you kick them devils out, and then you can see people that you thought was impossible. I've seen people said, good grief. I mean, my husband, you know, ain't no use in pray for him. He's the meanest guy. He wouldn't go to church with me. There ain't nothing nobody can do. Let me tell you, you hadn't met Jesus yet. You don't know who he is. But when you get a hold of who he is... You notice there, he said, Behold, I've given you power to tread on the devil himself and his demons. And he said, All power is given to you over them, and they shall know us hurt you. And they have to be subject to you. That's good news, isn't it, brother? Wonderful. Good news. We're on God's side. And that's why out there at the Miniature center, when we kick these devils out of people, we get them set free. And we get them set free. Then they can, if they'll stay with the word... They can walk holy. They can walk free of these devils. And you don't never have to be tormented by these demons again. You can walk in the abundant life that Christ has provided. And that's what He's provided for His church. Not death, not destruction, not killing, but life and life abundantly. And in life and life abundantly, there's no sickness and disease, is there? No. And whenever the devil tries to come upon us, you've got to remember when that demon comes at you, and he will. When he comes at you, and he opens that ugly mouth, and he comes roaring at you with those teeth, you've got to know who you are and not bat an eye. And if you don't even bat an eye, when he gets up and he said, you ain't afraid, are you? He said, no. He says, you know what the Word of God said? If you've submitted yourself to Jesus, and you resist the devil... He has to flee from you in terror. Is that good news? So if you don't step into fear and you walk holy before God, James chapter 4 verse 7, if you've submitted yourself to God, that means to walk holy before the king, doesn't it? I don't mean to walk out there and sin. That means to submit yourself to God. Live holy. Walk holy before God. Then he says, resist the devil with my word and he will flee, and in the Bible it says, and he will flee. But when you really go read that in the Greek, you'll find out it says, and he will flee from you in terror. The devil is afraid of you. You know what? When a preacher says, let's like one did the other day when I started talking about the devil in his church, he said, wait a minute, i would really not really to talk about the devil in my church. I'm afraid you get him stirred up and he'll start attacking us. I said oh my goodness you don't have a clue who you are I can only imagine what your people if you don't know who you are the people here don't know who they are either do we have to be afraid of the devil in this church No. all we got to do is no sin right no sin then the devil comes to us to try to stomp on us, throw us you just tell him where to go right oh, yeah. hit, hit the front, hit the road Jack yeah. in the name of Jesus get out and then you can walk and when he comes to try to put some on you sickness or disease or whatever it is Like he did with me the other day with my leg. I didn't go into no kind of fear. I was not in no kind of fear. I Wasn't I standing in pretty bold faith? You did good. I did good. Praise God. God. I did did better than he did because he told me. As a doctor, he said, if you wasn't a man of faith, I'd have you in the hospital with surgery right now. Is that what you said, Ty? Yeah, but like I said, I prayed and you're still alive. Amen. Praise God. I'm thankful for men of faith. I mean, after After all, we all prayed. I guarantee all of us did. But the thing about it is, when you have an attack from the enemy like that, you don't just take, if you have a real attack, don't just take one. I mean, you know, if you have to, find you four or five. You know, I mean, because we're supposed to be spirit-filled children that work together. I mean, you have a problem, you can't get healed or something, you don't say, well, I'll just go back. You call somebody, you come down here, we get four, five, ten, fifteen, twenty. You pray. In fact, right now, before we close this service now I want us to pray for rain. Amen. Right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for giving us all dominion and all authority and all power over this earth. Now, Lord, we realize some places in the world have had enormous amounts of rain. But, Lord, this part has had no rain. We are way behind. And Rockwall County has been... Declared a disaster area for the farmers because of no rain by the government. Lord, people don't realize how bad it is. Just because they don't have water to live in the city to water their grass, they don't realize that farmers and ranchers are having to buy thousands of dollars worth of hay to feed livestock. They don't have nothing to eat because there's no rain. Father, we're your children. We're walking in obedience to your word. You said if just two or three of us could agree about anything, you would do it. You said you send rain on the just and the unjust. Now, Lord, we know that we are the just because you've made us just as if we've never sinned by the blood of Jesus. So, Father, on behalf of these mighty promises that you've made us, I'm going to ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, to send a beautiful, slow-soaking rain that will rain for two or three days over this entire area, over here for a hundred miles out in every direction. Lord, so that people will and festive farmers that so desperately need this rain. And so our water tables that are going down so low, all the lakes are way low. We ask you to send a good soaking rain. And then, Lord, two three, four weeks later, we ask you to send another good soaking rain of three or four inches each time, at least to soak and saturate the ground and to fill our lakes up. And, Lord, we want to praise you and thank you that we're your children and that you told us if two of us could agree about anything, you would do it. So, Father, we want to thank you now for the beautiful rains that you will send. Lord, we wouldn't mind if you started them today. But, Lord, just send the beautiful rain, and we're grateful for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Anybody agree with that? In the name of Jesus. Okay, praise you, Father. Now then, for a little Brietta. Brietta, we got such a good praise report over this little girl. She's been going under such tremendous devastation, but good praise reports. Now, Lord, we continue to rebuke the enemy that's come against little Brietta Cronin. We continue to ask you to, Lord, we worship you and praise you and thank you for sending the Holy Ghost and your angels to watch over that little girl and raise her. But not only that little girl, but Lord, when I was over in that hospital the other day, was full of little children like that. Lord, heal them all. Be merciful to all of them. And restore them and lift them up. But Lord, the main one that we're so concerned about is little Brietta. Because she's so close to us here. And Lord, we want to thank you for raising up all them babies. But for sure doing a supernatural healing on little Brietta. And Lord, when you bring her full term and she comes home and she grows up. Lord, we don't want her to be a normal girl. We want her to be supernatural. We want her to have an an IQ above average people we wanted to be able to to be able to do things that's supernatural for the kingdom of god lord with the promises you made us that you said we could ask anything and you would do it lord we repent for not having faith to ask for supernatural things from god because we're your children thank you lord for being our lord and our god thank you for saving us thank you for healing us thank you for delivering us thank you for providing all these wonderful promises which are all yes and amen and we give you all the praise and the glory. The privilege, Lord, is ours to know you as our Lord and our God. And we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.